Tune in for Weekend Talk That Matters, only on KFNX. Welcome. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. From the home front is on the front line of this battle, protecting families, parents, and children, raising the flag in defense of traditional values. News, research, and opinion are a part of each broadcast. Join us in the battle. Together, relying on the wisdom of eternal truths, we can rebuild the American family. Welcome. Welcome to the home front. You're talking with Jane today, and we have an exciting show for you, a fantastic guest. It's a topic that I think uh, will be of great interest to you. I think it's a topic that many times we think, well, this applies to somebody else out there in the world, and we don't realize sometimes how close at home this can be to all of us. We're going to be talking about pornography And we're going to be talking about it from a a perspective of addiction. And before we get to that, I want to introduce our guest. And then I want to spend this first segment just talking a little bit about that notion of addiction, which our culture is really trying to push on the side. I want to welcome Dr. Monica Bro to our show Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much, Jane. And I'll probably slip and call you Monica several times because we've seen each other. But uh, this is Dr. Bro, and uh, she has a specialty, has worked for more than 15 years in the area of sex addiction, uh, principally with men. But this is a, uh, a problem that ranges clear across the spectrum of human beings. So she's touched this subject with uh, many people. And, uh, Dr. Burrow, I want to address what is happening in our culture just briefly with the idea of sex addiction and this uh, laissez-faire, uh, whatever kind of attitude we have about behaviors. There are even therapists out there that will suggest to couples, oh, try a little bit of pornography and spice your life up. And then we have stories. I was on the Internet recently just looking at how this has crept into classrooms with teachers and students. And uh, one of the teachers in one of the cases back east was trying to tell the court, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, the pornography in my life is over in this compartment. And then over in this compartment, I can be a classroom school teacher of young people. Our culture is really encouraging people to say that pornography is just this harmless, victimless activity. Can you address that? Uh, what have you seen with the, the people that you're working with? Why is this a problem that we really need to uh, listen to carefully tonight and really take seriously? Well, I think it's wonderful that at this time in the social media, many men are giving some kind of impromptu talks about how much damage pornography did in their lives and how it altered the way they interacted with men and women and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that the personal testimonies are coming from men who simply came to a decision for themselves of how it had affected them, recognizing how their sexual appetite had been altered because mm-hmm. of pornography and how they weren't happy with themselves and what, what the uh, fallout was. We have plenty of research and People that do studies that show mm-hmm. how pornography physically and chemically alters the brain and affects a person. Uh, a very brief uh, vision of pornography, less than half of a second, 
can be affecting the brain two years later. So we mm-hmm. do know that biologically there is a, a change in the brain from pornography. And we also know from the people themselves. My clients are people who decided that this was ruining their lives and they wanted to know how to regain their masculine confidence, how to regain their impulse control and how to handle their emotions which they had noticed such a, a damage from the pornography use. Mm-hmm. So that um, becomes that people are asking for help themselves. They don't have somebody telling them this is bad and wrong. They're speaking up themselves and saying this is what pornography did to me. Right. Now, I I just have a personal experience with a piece of a, a picture that was on my driveway probably 20 years ago. And I had no idea what it was. I picked it up. It was a picture I would not have chosen to see. And like you say, the vision of that, it was just so disturbing. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And it was very long term. You know, months later, I was I was just waiting for this picture just to fade and go to dark so I wouldn't see it anymore. So we're going to be talking in a positive way about this topic. The the people that have had experience with pornography, um, even if it's just a one-time incident, and we're finding kids getting drawn into it, it's so prevalent in our culture. Can you, before we go to a break, which will be coming up in a few minutes, can you give some help or some hope, I'm sorry, uh, to listeners so that they know if they hang in with us, through this show that it's not just a a whining in our handkerchief uh, approach to the problem. We really want to offer some encouragement that this can be uh, uh, managed uh, for getting out of it. It, Can you give some some hope to people that are listening that may have dealt with this issue? Yes, obviously there is hope because... It's been many years that we've known that most of the children are exposed to pornography through the school. There's no way that you can prevent children from seeing pornography. Mm-hmm. But people have free will, which all of us have had a bad habit that took time to overcome. Mm-hmm. We regain control of our impulses. Most every habit or every addiction compulsion that's been stopped, the person stops. And, and we know of people stopping all kinds of habits and compulsions mm-hmm. and addictions. So it's simply a matter of knowing that once a person has decided I've lost control and I'm not comfortable living like this, mm-hmm. that we can turn and gain some strategies and techniques to help ourselves to redirect our mind, to prune the brain as according to the scientific way of okay, saying it. Okay, I like that. Okay, very good. Can you give us an idea of how this is impacting men in our culture? Um, what is leading to this addiction? You know, obviously there's that temptation or that um, unexpected view of something that we didn't know was there and then we get hooked in. How is this impacting men in a specific way? There's a, a difference in the way that... Um, pornography affects men and women we have shown since the 1960s how men are very easily conditioned by what they're seeing and the amount of new novelty novel pictures Mm -hmm. and images that a man could see 50 years ago 30 years ago 20 years ago was much more limited today a teenage boy can see more new images of sexual behavior in a month of looking at the internet than his grandfather 
saw in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way that the male in his sexual arousal is conditioned by what he sees and it alters his sexual appetite so quickly and so uh, strongly, this is what makes a difference about today. That mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, people have known that young boys and men have looked at pornography, but they could never access the amount of novel new ideas and situations so Mm -hmm. today the men are exposed to a lot of things that we don't traditionally think of if we are not somebody familiar with pornography such as violence or Mm -hmm. um uh objectifying objects children Mm -hmm. women men alike so these uh men that recognize this wasn't what i thought when i got started and here's where i am now and it's not Mm -hmm. where i want to be they don't necessarily know that there is a classical conditioning effect in men and that this Mm -hmm. exposure is going to affect them differently than their father or their grandfather simply because of what they were able to access at that time. Now, you mentioned something uh, that I ran across in a book called Pornified, which came out about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it might be a good way to end this segment just to reference young people people or even grown men who have maybe stayed away from it all this these years and all of a sudden you know there's one picture and it's like the the curiosity takes me back for a second one and and it just feels somewhat harmless at this point it does escalate and um, can you address that part of the addiction that that someone who gets hooked on the very innocent pi- type of pornography um, the quantity and the the subject matter of pornography does escalate. It's um, the idea of addiction is that a person starts to develop a tolerance and they require mm-hmm. more of something in order to get the same effect, and that is true regardless of what kind of addiction you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The the sexual arousal pattern was set up to, for a specific purpose, and mm-hmm. and sexual arousal is supposed to attach a person so the very function of attaching to a person to preserve family life etc mm-hmm. the person becomes attached to fantasy to their own ideas to themselves they become very self self-directed self-centered narcissistic and there is just nothing that can compete with fantasy right. nothing satisfies in the real world Well, we're going to come back to that idea of attachment because we do want to attach to people around us in really positive ways and pick up with that subject about attachment and how pornography interrupts that and convolutes that. You're from the home front here with Jane, KFNX 1100, Independent Talk. We'll be back. Log on and listen live. 1100kfnx.com. Hey, baby. There ain't no easy way out. Hey, I I will stand my ground. And I won't back down. Welcome back to the home front. You're talking with Jane and today we are talking with Dr. Monica Bro and we're talking about an issue that's so important in our culture, the the topic of pornography and treating it as a sex addiction, which it truly is. And Dr. Bro, just before the break, we were talking about 
how just one little view of pornography, a picture, uh, a video, uh, can lead us down the road to a stronger and stronger problem and addiction. And you were talking about the nature of attachment. So I want to pick up with that again because we are wired to attach with one another through the sexual act. And um, that can really create the problem of addiction for people. Once the person begins to be sexually aroused, there are neurotransmitters, chemicals in the brain Mm -hmm. that start this attachment process. And when the attachment is forming to a fantasy, then the problem of being able to emotionally connect to a live, real human being to be programmed to be um, in a, a... have the skill of responding to somebody and waiting for their response. You know, that reciprocal back and forth response is lost. Um, So people that are caught in pornography really get less and less attached, more and more isolated. And this men really begin to lose their confidence in themselves as men when they're very isolated. They no longer are are connecting with Mm -hmm. men and women that they want to connect with. Um, just emotionally connect, just to feel good about themselves, to have confidence in themselves. So one of the techniques is to help them to build social support, to start looking at who in their life could be a mentor for them, who could be a peer that they could reach out to. They tend to, I call it, orphan themselves, Mm -hmm. become very isolated. So first, there is some emotional pain going on, and all of a sudden a habit of pornography becomes a compulsion to escape the pain. And then that compulsion um, begins to affect the way the person thinks about themselves, and they may start thinking they're bad and they're unlovable. And these kind of beliefs, this hopelessness about the self, is where the person crosses over the line from compulsion to addiction, where in addiction not only have you lost the control of what you're doing, you know, you can no longer say what you will do, when you when you will do it, how long you will do it, but also it's affecting their own self-image and mm-hmm. ability to turn their life around and start to have some confidence about themselves and some impulse control. So that's where addiction falls into the mm-hmm. the the uh the series of this changing habit. And so we do know it physically changes the brain, chemically changes the brain, and that affects. But emotionally is really the part that plays the role in moving from compulsion to addiction. Once a person is isolating, separating themselves, not really having any friendships or people that they're vulnerable with or sharing, spending time with. So I start with getting men to choose some men to hang out with. We have a men's group and so they can meet others. And um, in my men's group, they don't have to disclose anything, talk about their feelings or anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to tell their childhood or their pornography use or anything like that. They're simply being with other men to build confidence in themselves again, to be affirmed by other men. And um, in individual therapy, I just ask the person to do that in their private life. You've talked about uh, a couple of really key ideas here, and so I want to maybe pick up on each one of them a little bit here. Um, the idea of shame, you mentioned that, and we did talk a little bit about that the last time you were with us introducing you to the show, uh, but people may not have heard that discussion. In our culture, we we emphasize and have so much of sex available and out there we forget there is a lot of personal shame and it's not people putting it on us 
necessarily as much as sometimes what we put on ourselves, which causes us to hide uh, the behaviors that are creating the problem. Um, that can be pr- pretty traumatic for a, a relationship like a marriage, I, I would think. Um, can you address that cycle of shame, hiding, digging yourself deeper into the problem? Shame is one of our emotions. You know, they're primary in the primary seven emotions that shame and guilt are supposed to function a particular way. Our shame is to prevent us from being arrogant. It is for humility. People who are completely shameless are very arrogant. You know, they mm-hmm. cause other people shame. When you're embarrassed around someone because they just do things that they don't feel any normal, natural shame about, then everyone around them carries that shame and feels it. But a toxic shame, a poisonous shame, is the self-condemnation, that I mm-hmm. am not good, you know, I have no value, and and it's based on an understanding of myself that I earned my value by what I say, think, or do. And this is simply not true, that people earn their value. We have inherent value mm-hmm. beyond what we've we've done and so helping people to go back to the natural proper shame that is a helpful you know Mm -hmm. a a natural sexual shame causes a person to be modest and not sexually abuse other people with immodesty Mm -hmm. or you understand what i'm saying but a toxic shame is very poisonous to the person damages their self-image their self-understanding their ability to change themselves to do something to turn their life around they're kind of like caught in we may say they're depressed or they're anxious, you know, we see some kind of mental disorder from a condemnation of self. That's a toxic shame. Same thing with our guilt. It's mm-hmm. supposed to move us. If we are, we have a natural healthy guilt, we will feel it like a smoke alarm briefly, and then it moves us to change our behavior, whereas a poisonous guilt is like a smoke alarm ringing all the time. It's non-functional. It doesn't mm-hmm. work, and it's not healthy. So for one of the things I think that in the lock and the grips of shame sometimes we think well i'll just help myself i'll get out of this myself the the men that come to you uh they're coming to kind of break that grip of shame and and i think the first hurdle for people to get over is the idea of somebody else can help me better than i can help myself do you find a sense of relief when when men are able to open up uh, about the problem and work through it with you? Um, for the most part, the, the men that I see have been referred by other men who were mm-hmm. my clients. And so they explain to them that most of them, it's a half an hour you know, on the phone. They don't even have to come to the office where I'm mm-hmm. offering impulse control strategies, offering emotional regulation strategies. They're not having to disclose things. Mm-hmm. Men really do like that. They like something that's brief and focused on the solution. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to do that they don't have to tell me anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just get started with this is what you need to start doing right now. Um, for example, writing a note to yourself called a stop letter uh, that you simply are reprogramming your brain to stop. So you tell yourself to stop, tell yourself what to think about and what to do. All of this is simply to practice distraction because once someone is caught in a compulsion, uh, a trigger will set them into a pattern, whereas building a new pattern is like building an escape route. It's called pruning the brain and causing a new pathway in the brain to develop. So at least four times a day, they read like a fire drill. They read this little note. Stop, think about this, do this. They don't actually do it. Say if you thought 
stop, think about your children and take a drink of water, you wouldn't be taking a drink of water four times a day. You'd simply be reading the note. It can be something as simple as a text on your phone that has set an alarm. But this is an impulse control through distraction technique. And I will tell them that the first time I speak to them. They don't have to tell me anything about their okay. acting out behavior. That's something that men will tell other men. You know, it's going to be really easy. It'll make it comfortable. You try what you like. Right. And uh, the cost is very, very reasonable. Well, we're going to come back to that technique because I really think if we could slow it down and just give a concrete example, uh, people could feel that it's very doable. And um, I don't know if we can get back into this, but I like what you're saying. You're uh, approaching it from a let's let's get to a solution. Uh, so many of the times when we're do- talking about problems like this, people are afraid that they're going to have to go back to their childhood and all the incidents that have happened to them, and they're going to have to justify it, and and uh, kind of the Freudian analysis, and people can be reassured that that's not what this is about. It's about taking a situation that they want to see change and concrete steps that you can help guide them in to make those changes. After our break, when we get back with Dr. Bro. Uh, we will be able to give you more information on how to meet with her and work with her uh, where you can get connected with her. On my home front page, I will be able to give you that information. So stick with us on the other side of the break. We're talking with Dr. Monica Bro today at uh, KFNX 1100 Independent Talk. And we look forward to catching you on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Blaze News, top of the hour, every hour exclusively on KFNX. Welcome. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old-fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue today at the home front. Welcome. You're back at the home front with Jane. And today we're talking with Dr. Monica Bro, and we're talking about the subject of porn addiction, which is rampant in our culture, and positive ways to get ourselves out of that trap. And uh, we're back with Dr. Bro. Hello again. Hi, Jane. Before the break, uh, you had given us a real quick example of a way to start working on this that you work with uh, the people who come to you. So if I can just recap for anybody who's joined us, you largely work with men in your practice, and they come to you referred from other men who have worked with you. It's uh, actually a lot of mostly word of mouth, uh, men knowing that they're going to get practical help from you uh, and in a very comfortable situation. And you have uh, individual counseling. You also have situations where men can work in groups with other men. And so you can really tailor this to the comfort level of the person who is trying to work on this uh, this problem. 
And before the break, you were talking about one of those uh, methods that you teach men to use, but you said it works for everybody. Uh, we were talking a little bit during the break. You said that you would try it with me uh, as a woman because we can use this for any kind of habit that we're trying to break. I will tell you about a habit I had in high school. Somehow I broke it by accident. <laughs> but I used to sit and pick the split ends off the ends of my hair just I don't know why, you know, it was one hair at a time, and it just drove people around me crazy. I know that seems mundane, but uh, it was a habit that I had that just was so compulsive. Uh, people have uh, biting their nails. I never did that, but I did have some friends do that. So take your technique and kind of walk me through how would I use that to get myself repatterned here, reprogrammed. So first we have to recognize that when you're doing a behavior that you don't want to do, Mm -hmm. there was some level of comfort that it brought. There was some emotional pain that you were using it. So it was a crutch that was helpful for a time, but now it has created more problems than it's solving for you. So your brain already has what we call a neural pathway. Mm-hmm. And different things will trigger it, whatever pain, some loneliness, some boredom, whatever pain it mm-hmm. was that triggered you to do this behavior. There is a pathway, sort of like a slide. You know, there's something that's the ladder of the slide, and now you're going off into this behavior again. Uh, so you'll need to create a new neural pathway in your brain. You will pro- reprogram your brain yourself, and as mm-hmm. we call it, pruning the brain, meaning that you're cutting away the old way that you would handle it and starting a new one. So you would simply develop a new program. Okay. And it starts like this with the word stop. Okay. And the main thing is that you're going to give yourself a distraction technique for your mind and your body to move your mind to safety away from this way. When we do a fire drill, we're practicing moving our bodies to safety in the event of a fire. So this is a fire drill for the mind. You're practicing moving your mind away, distracting. Distraction is the number one way we handle stress and change habits by distracting. So uh, you would at least four times a day be reading a note you wrote to yourself, whether on paper or by text or whatever, a note that says stop and tells you, you're telling yourself what to think about to distract yourself and what to do. And if those ideas don't work, you can change them. But you just read the same note. So give me an example of something you would think about instead of pulling your hair. Oh, okay. Um, maybe uh, getting a crossword puzzle. Okay, and then something you could do. Oh, well, that's something you could do, get up and get a crossword puzzle. Typically, it needs to be something you could do anywhere at any time. Okay. Such as get a sip of water. Okay. Something very, very simple. Whistle, um, something you can do instead to distract yourself. And I like gum. So, you know, if I carried gum around with me. You could chew gum. Chew gum. All right. So then you'd make this note. And I, so basically your note is stop, uh, think about, I forgot what you said. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, the crossword puzzle? Yes, or? think about a crossword puzzle okay. and think and get, you know, choose some gum. Whatever it is that you have is your own ideas. Okay. So I add to that a few things that you would put stop, slow down your breathing. And the reason you slow down your breathing is it will alter your blood pressure, your body temperature, and your oh. blood sugar 
enough to where this little physical change will assist you. It reduces anxiety to slow mm-hmm. down your breathing. And I don't mean take deep breaths. I mean simply slow it down. Okay. And then the next sentence I like for you to conclude is, I rejoice that I have stopped. And I took that from the book, The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, from Alan Carr. He said, until you program your mind to believe that you are rejoicing that you've stopped, you'll steal, you'll You'll continue to glamorize what you were doing before. Mm-hmm. So you make this note for yourself, Jane. Stop. Slow down my breathing. I rejoice that I've stopped. Think about whatever and then do, you know, chew the gum, whatever right. it is that you've decided to do. So four times a day you're reading through this note, just reading through this note to build a new program in your brain, a new neural pathway So the next time that you start to do the compulsion that you're trying to break, that will already be there for you. This this idea is called a stop letter, and I was taught it in 1988 by Dr. Patrick Carnes, who's now retired, but he has remained the foremost leading expert in sex addiction. You find this technique in almost every self-help book for Mm -hmm. sex addiction, but it is simply a technique to break a compulsion. Mm -hmm. Um, If you really are going to break an addiction, it lies. It really is rooted in the beliefs that I'm no good. I have no confidence in myself. I'm unlovable. Until you deal with those mm-hmm. inner, what we call core beliefs about yourself that you can't trust people. Uh, until you deal with those, you can't break addiction. Okay. So this is a technique. It's it's very manageable. You can you can tailor it for each person. Those habits or natural things, inclinations, things that they like that they can draw into this technique. So I, I feel like I can go home and maybe <laughs> use it myself uh, and give it a try. Coming to the, the idea of core beliefs, uh, we've got this technique, but we've also got this person who's got these core beliefs that have really been shaken. And you talked about men and how they lose confidence in themselves. And it's really kind of contrary to what we would tend to think of we think of anyone who's involved in sex that it's it's a pleasurable experience but it really turns around and becomes uh, a barrier to having pleasurable sex and and brings in the shame so how do you work with men to recover that um, feeling of power of self-confidence and self-worth um, for the most part, either whether they come to me individually or with their spouse, um, some of them even come in with their children to help me deal with their relationship. Uh, there is a usually for most men, there is a relationship that they are disturbed about. They're having trouble connecting. They're having trouble with. So whether they're in group with other men learning techniques for relationship skills mm-hmm. or individually uh, with their spouse, with their children, uh, we work on just building their confidence as far as what are some things they can do right away, what are some insights I can provide that they can try to do something in a different way. Uh, because I give the, I give techniques and strategies, and mm-hmm. then they give me feedback. This works, mm-hmm. doesn't work, I don't want to try that, I'm not willing to try that, or I don't like it, or this is what happened when I did. And then uh, more, you know, I offer some more based on that. So that's the way it goes back and forth. This is something to try. But they typically have a particular relationship that they're seeking help for or mm-hmm. they want this particular relationship to get better. And it right. makes it easier to focus on that person and what's wrong in that relationship. Okay, good. And um, you talked about 
perhaps their wives coming with them, children coming with them. We just have a short minute before the break. Perhaps it's something we can dress when we come back. But you do work with children. You do see this creeping down in the age levels um, because of all the technology. Can can you uh, just give us a little bit of a feeling for that and maybe 30 seconds to a minute, and then we can come back to it? The, the youngest children are first graders, um, wow. boys and girls, first graders. Parents tend to think if they have filters, their children won't see pornography. So they're surprised when they find that the child has gone into a... Uh, um, like something like a Star Trek game, and then they mm-hmm. go into a separate window to talk to someone, and there are predators inviting them, you know, for a quarter, take off your shirt, etc. So people are completely blind to how easily children can get caught up in pornography, and how easily the parent can be the one to teach these impulse control strategies and turn things around for them at an early age. Okay, well that's good to know. And what we can do after the break is maybe come back and give some parents some tips on that. And definitely link people up to you so they can uh, get in touch with you. I want to direct listeners to my own website, fromthehomefront.org, just like it sounds, fromthehomefront.org. And Dr. Bro's contact information is on the front page of that website. Uh, we are going to come back and give you a little bit of a taste of the types of uh, ways that she works with people so that you can feel confident there's something that will work for you in the situation that you're in. And uh, join us on the other side of the break. This is Jane from the Home Front, KFNX 1100 Independent Talk. Visit us online at 1100kfnx.com. Hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. Hey, I will stand my ground and I won't back down. Welcome back to uh, From the Home Front. We're at our last segment, and it's been a fantastic show. I've been learning a lot. We have been talking with Dr. Monica Bro. We've been talking about the important uh, subject of how we deal with sex addiction in this culture. Uh, we are so saturated with sexual behavior. Uh, we've almost become immune to it. We have people that get pulled into it and recognize that it's not doing good things for them. They're very unhappy. How do they get out of it? And Dr. Brow has really given us some very concrete ideas and hopefully has built the hope of any of you listening that this is a doable thing. Uh, if you are struggling with the, the problem or if you know someone who is. And Dr. Bro, uh, you get many of the people you work with, most of them, from referrals, people who have worked with you uh, feel confident that they have really made progress and they refer other men to you. Can you give us a couple of the options for somebody who might be listening and thinking, I really do need help. It sounds like she's got some good strategies. How might I approach this with Dr. Bro? 
I'm really glad you put the link on your website. Whenever you send an email, you get an automatic uh, response that tells you how to schedule your own appointment. And then in that site, you choose your time zone because people are served all over the country and in other countries. So you choose your time zone and then you choose do you want phone counseling or uh, at this time I'm using Skype, but some kind of video conferencing counseling or would you like to come into the office the phone and the Skype counseling are available at half an hour. Uh, that is the bulk of mm-hmm. the work. But if you want, you can come into the office. And then in the office, you choose an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours, depending on if you're bringing other people with you that you want to work with during mm-hmm. the session. I have done some uh, Skype counseling and phone counseling with two to three people on the phone or on the computer. That, um, But usually people want to come into the office so that I can get a little bit better feel for the nature of the problem and help you do some specific strategies that will improve the relationship for you. Great. And earlier on in the show, you mentioned that you do form groups. Uh, there are some men who are, are helped by meeting with their peers and uh, getting support in that environment. Can you give us just uh, how many people are in those groups? How often do they meet Kind of. I, I have a program called Holy Men, and that's why the bulk of the, you know, they're, it's an mm-hmm. educational program. The men who go through it will tell me, I know somebody that I want to learn this, that I've been talking to him about what I'm learning. So there are 8 to 12 men in the group. It's nothing less than 8 and nothing more than 12. And mm-hmm. that way, if some drop out, we still have about 8. They meet weekly for 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, During that time, there is absolutely no personal disclosure necessary. You know, if people choose to say something, it's all right. But uh, it's not a a place to find out what people were doing in their acting out behavior or who's doing Mm -hmm. what. It is simply a place to learn things that are helpful to changing your perspective, changing your understanding of how a sexual appetite gets formed, shaped, and changed. So men come to help themselves. They come to help others, their sons, their friends, Mm -hmm. their neighbors, their brothers. It it doesn't matter, and nobody has to disclose why they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, But they do form relationships with each other, start talking and bond with each other. Uh, uh, I can honestly say that the men have told me at the close of the 10 weeks they really don't know who had a problem or who doesn't because that's not the focus. It's really Mm -hmm. how can we build up masculine confidence how can we have better impulse control and teach our children and our peers to have better impulse control and how to recognize emotional regulation? I know that women that look at pornography have a lot of shame, but women tend to automatically talk to other women. They have a little bit more, um, they, you know, we are hardwired in our brain to be more into identifying our emotions, discussing our emotions, recognizing them. So for men... Uh, when they're raging a lot, they don't really know that they're scared about something or they're trying to protect something. They're not as aware of why they're mm-hmm. angry or worried all the time. And so mm-hmm. that emotional regulation piece is really helpful to the men also. Mm-hmm. Very good. And then um, one thing that we had talked about, and you had mentioned it, I would like to bring it up again in this section, is uh, protecting our children. Can you address, I know it's a huge topic and we can't really guide parents into a a great conversation about all the things they can do, but just make them aware that you said filters and things like that are not really adequate protection for children in this environment. No, we have to recognize that the pornographers have billions of dollars and they are going to deliberately be working to break through filters. A study in 1999 showed that putting words like Disney, Barbie, CNN, Honda, Mercedes, Levi's, 
10 very common words would bring up half the porn websites that were available at that time, 19,000 out of 40,000 back in 1999. So children are going to see pornography. The resilience is really relationship, being attuned to your children, really making sure that they are very confident that they're good. They make mistakes. That doesn't change that they're they're good. But our own modeling of impulse control, our own modeling of emotional regulation is the biggest source and our own self-esteem. Your Child's Self-Esteem uh, is a very old book that I read mm-hmm. in the 70s. And it basically said, Dorothy Corkill Briggs said, they will have the same self-esteem that you do. So working on yourself is the best way to help your children and not thinking that some technology is going to rescue your children or save your children. Even people who have brought their children to me and said, we homeschooled so they wouldn't be exposed to pornography. Well, it, the homeschooling isn't going to stop it either. There is mm-hmm. no shell that you can build around your children. It's yourself. You give them yourself with the best that you can be, and that's the best way to protect them so that anything that happens to them or they're exposed to, their confidence is resilient because they've learned that from you. Okay. And I know that uh, we I had mentioned to you about self-help books uh, off the air. Can you give uh, just a quick comment about people who grab a book off the shelf, um, what things should they be cautious about when they're looking at books and advice that, that is out there about dealing with pornography? Their antenna goes up and says, this is not good advice. I think the worst book out there is uh, a woman trying to say that a wife can cure her husband of pornography compulsion and her ideas are very, very wicked and evil. And uh, she believes that that it would work because it's repulsive to women. However, as I was explaining before, really it's teaching the man to be response, respond sexually to this. Our, our understanding of the brain of men and women is so different that for men, they are very sexually aroused by something that causes them anxiety, whereas women are not. So women will do something deliberately to cause anxiety in the man, thinking that he responds the same way she does, that he is repulsed, etc., The man will find, why am I aroused by something repulsive and start the self-hatred, which, of course, is driving him into addiction. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot out there and there are things that make things worse. Right. But but for the most part, you know, it's, it's that. I think the most important thing is to see the difference in the male and the female. I start out the classes, the group mm-hmm. for the men, showing them the brain of a woman when she's hungry and the brain of a man when he's hungry and showing them how different they are, mm-hmm. that we don't even know what it feels like to be hungry as the opposite sex, much less to be sexually aroused. It's a much stronger difference there. So it really is if if somebody is feeling like this is a problem for someone they know or in their home or in their household, um, getting in touch with someone like you can be really helpful and help them really address it in concrete and positive ways. I want to direct you again to my website where uh, Dr. Bro's phone number and email are there. Uh, you can get further information on her groups, on her counseling. Uh, you can make your appointments online. And the good thing about this is she has such a commitment to helping people that she has her appointments so that you can set them up right online, keeps her fees low so that people can really get into her and address the subject. So um, I would encourage you to uh, get in touch with her, uh, even to ask and get started with a dialogue if you, if you are struggling with this, with this addiction. 
I would encourage anybody who's been listening to From the Home Front over the last couple of weeks, if you find our shows are touching issues that are important to you and bringing information to you that you don't hear out in the the real world, we're looking for ways to keep this show going and long-term. And, uh, again, on my website, if you can look for the support button, we'd love to have you support this show Keep us on the air. Extend uh, the days that we can be here. Thank you for tuning in. This is Jane from the Home Front, 1100 KFNX, and Independent Talk, we're here for you. Thanks for joining us.